we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everyone, to episode <laughs> Banter 79 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Podell. Today with me is it 79? It's 79. 79. Nah. Eddie Isaac. Oh, hello. <laughs> and Ann Bean. Oh, hi. The summer uh, of 69. We are talking today about All Hail Megatron, which is a Transformers book. Um, it's published by IDW. It is written by someone who I cannot think of right now. <laughs> I'm completely spacing. Uh Shane McCarthy? Yeah. Um, and, man. It has an ensemble of artists and yeah. colorists. Oh, it, it yeah, that's true. Like it does change a lot. 50 different artists. Um, By 50, I think there's about six artists, about six colorists. Yeah. That's, look, I'm not real good with numbers, but that's at least 50 different letters. Okay. <laughs> different letters. <laughs> different letters. Different letters. All, all 50 in the English alphabet. Uh, I actually have no idea who the main artist is because it the book goes it's all over it's on an ensemble cast. You know what we'll I'm put do? it that way. My claim to fame I'm gonna add another letter to the alphabet. I'm just gonna awesome. add one. We're gonna call it the Eddie? I don't know what I'm gonna call it, but I'm just gonna add it. That's I like it. it. What what sound will it make? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's a take on that noise. There you <laughs> yeah. oh, that already has a, a like a exclamation point. Does it? Yeah, that's how that's how you write it down is exclamation point. Huh. Learn huh. something new every day. Which made me really confused about the band Chick 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 because you say it Chick 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 and chick, you don't chick, actually chick. make the noise, but I think that's because a lot of people can't make the noise. So would it be Chick Chick? No, chick. it would just be. Oh, oh, what's awesome is that in this book they write out the sound that a transformer makes when it. <laughs> when, no, it was like Chick 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 Chick. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that later. So, uh, do you want to start talking about polar first, or what do you want to go with? Uh, yeah, let's talk about polar first. Uh, so, on the Furious episode, we were talking about um, Victor Santos, and I would mentioned the other book that he has done, Polar, and apparently it's getting turned into a movie? I th- think so, yes, movie. Um, Polar is like this uh, <coughs> sort of 60s-esque spy tale, but it takes place in modern day after the spy has retired, <laughs> and basically the, the, the company that he worked for, company in air quotes, uh, is they're retiring all their retired ex-employees. Ah, uh, Okay. And retiring in air quotes. Yes, retiring in air quotes as well. Um, oh, like born, like a born, like a born sort of thing. Okay. It's it's actually very similar to the born identity, but uh, and it follows uh, this agent Polar, who is the greatest like super spy ever. Oh, actually, you know what? It's like November Man. Yeah, yeah, like or um, Red would be or Red. One. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, it's right along that line. Um, it's a super fun book. It's just one hardcover issue. I don't think it was released as singles, and it's. It's pretty straightforward. Um, lots of action. That probably means it'll make a good movie. Yeah. Um, so Marvel, Marvel, Marvel and I have a complicated relationship this month <laughs> uh, because apparently they're canceling She-Hulk, which makes me very sad. Issue 12 in January. Did they will say be why, the last though? Issue. Um, no. Oh, Was it lack of interest? Like, it might be lack of sales. Lack of sales, most likely. 
that's usually why they do this sort of thing. They're not. Yeah. I mean, just well, randomly assholes. I mean, because uh, you know, Dark Knight bit it. The dark, the Dark Knight. Oh yeah, yeah. Tile bit it. Yeah. Like it just, it was wasn't selling. So it's like the new fifty nine now. No, no. There's always no. There's apparently, fifty two. There's always fifty two titles because what they do so is so is it over- like the Thunderdome of fifty two? Like if a new one comes, an old one must die. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So there's always another title or something coming out and. One may enter. Fifty-two must leave. Uh, <laughs> Who wills bought a town? Last uh, Jim, Jim Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott Snyder. Mm. Huh. Blast the master rules. Now, for some reason, I'm thinking about Jim Lee versus Chun Lee, and it just got really Jim Lee versus Chun Lee. You could actually do that in a Mugen setup. You could have Chun Lee versus <laughs> Jim Lee. He's trying to sketch Jim, randomly. Jim, Jim Lee has. Face. Jim Lee has access to all the characters he's ever drawn in his oh, history. There was a pretty great YouTube video that was like Chun Li gets randomly angry, and it's just like videos of people like biffing it at random, but they've they like the shopped Fighter- in yeah. Chun Li like kicking out. Their, uh, like, I've seen some anyway. great ones of that, and then there's the RKO, with- the, R- the yeah. Randy one, yeah, yeah Randy Orton. Yeah. <laughs> he's just sitting there, his giraffe is running around the ring, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, he got the giraffe!" <laughs> then he gets up and rides off on a giraffe. It's so random. Uh, speak- so, speaking of random and also animals and also Marvel, uh, yeah, they're yeah. making a Squirrel Girl. I series. saw that. I did. I saw that. I saw Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl actually pops up in the Ultimate Spider-Man Disney show, and Spider-Man is like, "Who? What? what like, fuck? what are you?" And this army of squirrels takes down Juggernaut. Like, it was so <laughs> funny. And you know, it's 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 getting to the point now where Juggernaut is literally like the strongest weak guy in Marvel because. Yeah. He he just gets dominated like all the time. He's a joke character. Like he honestly at this point in his career is like a joke character. The sad list of things he's been taking. <laughs> he down went by. from like A list villain to like he's like maybe D. He's he's going up against the uh, the West Coast or the Great Lakes Great Avengers. Lakes Avengers. <laughs> he's a he's like he's a low level thug almost now. Dude, hey. going up against the Great Lakes Avengers is like being a singer and like now you're just playing at casinos. Not even casinos, fairs. Okay, yeah, fairs. You're playing at fairs. Fairs, yeah. Birthday parties, oh. old, like or like old people's homes or something. Ooh. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can't keep steady work. Uh, but uh, it's written by Ryan North, which I think it will actually be really great. Like, if there's someone who could, who's drawing write, it though? I have no idea. Mm. So here's the question: How, how many issues is it going to go? Because I don't people know. are tired of Squirrel Girl. My hope is that, like, like that's the thing. I think if anyone can maintain a fucking ridiculous character for at least eight issues. I would say it's it's Ryan North because that's his like stock and trade. In, is, like, unless your name is Deadpool, you just like ridiculous characters do not have legs for anything more than we'll see a year's worth. I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious to see. Well, the, I, you may well be right. I weird predict thing, at least eight issues. But the weird thing is, is that like Squirrel Girl is uh, more to me like more in the uh, the shadow of like a Japanese anime character. More so than like a traditional American superhero, you know, yeah, because because that. like uh, a lot of a lot of Japanese anime, they combine like the 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 human animal concept and they create characters that you know have tails and stuff like this, and they thrive. Those characters are popular and they thrive. And I think it's just like America is not not so down with the furries. Yeah, there's just not there's not you know it's just it doesn't really strike a gear. Um, to bring up a conversation, I had several conversations last night, and uh, one of them 
was uh, the epic battle between Quicksilver and Flash. And we only talk, I talk about Quicksilver because the Age of Ultron commercial or trailer finally came out, which has so many Easter eggs. Oh, my Lord. The Easter eggs all in this trailer place. Are, are all over. Uh, I'm going to give us three minutes for this. So if you don't, if you want to avoid anything about Avengers 2, skip to the 20 minute mark. Or, well, three minutes from now, starting now. Okay. So, trailer has so many Easter eggs. Uh, Ultron, there's a part where Ultron's dipping his hand and it looks like molten lava. Right, and it's just melting off. It's vibranium, right? What? Because in the book, he coats himself in two different armors. One time he's in adamantium, but then there's like when he comes back, well, the first time he does it, he's in, he does it in vibranium. But then when he comes back later in more modern times, it's adamantium. But Marvel can't use the Marvel Cinematic Universe can't use adamantium. Why? Wolverine. Because it's right. That uh, word is taken. You can't use the, you can't use that word. Wow. Right. So they they skip and they use the vibranium, right? Which is like the second hardest metal anyway. It's also a conductor for magic. Exactly. And we're this is a note that we're probably because they're bringing in vibranium, we're probably going to see doom. No, Black, Black Panther. Panther. Black uh, Panther. Yes. We're yes. probably going to see Black Panther. Probably going to visit Wakanda because it's the only place on Earth that has vibranium. Vibranium. Yeah. Right? Um, it is their only export. It's their only export. You know, but you know what, though? They're that's rich. That's all they need. Yep. yep. The, um, there's a couple other pieces uh, that are the claw. The claw pops up. Um, so in. I like, just thought of something really weird. Uh, Black Panther. Who's his wife? It's Storm. It's Storm. At some point. At some point. So that would be weird unless they just they can't be, yeah, they, they can't they do can't. it so they're gonna have to pick a time when he's not married they can, right. either got a, post-divorce well he doesn't pre- well, he, wait, he doesn't get married like when he black he got yeah, married he, like what five years ago yeah, maybe it's long they've time got, yeah they've got time um they show scarlet witch and quicksilver yep. using powers which is uh very very odd in the sense that uh there's a point where hulk interacts with scarlet witch to so that may that may Let's you think that maybe Scarlet Witch is controlling Hulk at some point, huh. which causes him to go on a rampage, which is why we see the Hulk, Hulk Buster, Buster armor. armor. Right. Yep. Oh my God, such a gem! The Hulk Buster armor is yeah. oh man, <laughs> okay, awesome. So we got like fifty seconds left, but one thing that I point out is that they've started releasing the posters. Yeah, and in one of the posters, Vision is there. Huh. So one of the one of the theories is that Vision, because he he's yeah, of course he wasn't in the trailer, but but they say one of the characters on the Avengers will die. So. I think that maybe Vision, because he will turn on Ultron, will fight Ultron, and then he will die. That Which would be convenient. Also, because there, there's a rumor about the Civil War being the next movie, yep. that they will send Hulk. They send Hulk and Ultron into space, right? Because Hulk is not present during the events of Civil War. Right. World War Hulk takes place after Civil War. So during Civil War, so Bruce maybe, Banner may not be in that movie. Maybe they'll like Spock Bruce Banner and like temporarily kill him only to bring him back. In the well, no, they're going to shoot him into space. You can't kill him. And he comes back. Yeah, Avengers comes 3, the search for Hulk. Oh. <laughs> yes. All right, guys, that's, uh, and that's we're, time. And we're done. So, uh, so one, but now one of the um, arguments I had last night, not really an argument, discussion was like, who's faster, Quicksilver or Flash? After doing much research, Flash, Flash blows base, out of the water, right? base power, like without the speed force, without just normal, destroys yeah. Quicksilver. Well, that's DC in general. I mean, the level that they are archetypal are, gods. Yeah, they are literally gods. <laughs> well, you know, and then we talked about how the who has control over what, like the Marvel universe. Has the the Asgardian, you know, I wouldn't say copyrighted, but that's the you know they, that's their thing. That's their thing. But DC, has DC the new is gods. Greek, well, Greek. no Greek, Greek and Roman gods. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because uh, 
Remember the one of the original speedsters? His name was Mercury, right? Right. And even the like old school Mercury wing hat that Flash the, wears. I mean, um, well, Mar- the J, J, the J J Harkin J yeah uh, whatever J the first the original Flash yeah um, first name J something but um, he wore he wore that he wore that helmet mm-hmm. and then the wings on all the Flash outfits is a resemblance of Hermes or Mercury yep. right like um, Marvel's got well Ares is dead now. But Phobos is a kid, maybe. So they've got Ares is DC. No, there's an Ares in Marvel as well. There was. He got killed by a sentry. I have a feeling why the whole Greek and Roman mythology never really took off in Marvel, though, was because it's so strong in DC. They would have because there's a I think there's a Hercules in staff characters. Is there a Hercules in Marvel? I think there is. There's a Hercules in Marvel as well. There's also a Hercules in DC. I think. I mean, you can't copyright Roman gods. Yep. I know. (laughs) Or Norse ones. (laughs) Well, I told somebody. I said. I said. Do you know that I could. I could draw a Thor comic. Like I could literally draw and publish a Thor comic as long as I didn't use the exact likeness yeah, that's not used Marvel by Marvel. Thor. Yeah, exactly. As much as I, Andy, chill. Um, <laughs> I'm going to bring up something about Sandman. I appreciate the moment in Sandman when, like the the, so the Norse pantheon shows up in Sandman, mm-hmm. but it's very much like a Sandman universe version of the Norse Pantheon. Or what's the keys to hell, right? Uh, they're, they're one of the groups that are trying to get the keys to hell. Um, yeah. And it's, at some point later, like I think as like a, a gift, uh, Dream ends up giving them like a little bubble that has basically the, the, the Marvel Asgardian Pantheon in it. Are like, you serious? He, he's <laughs> pretty much like, here's an aspect of yourselves that's <laughs> been lost. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty funny. The, um, the other thing we I talked... I Sandman. <laughs> There you go. You got it out. Good job. <laughs> the la- and the last thing we talked about, uh, Buddy and I, was our favorite Marvel event because we brought this up last oh, time yeah. on the show, right? I'm disappointed that no fan tweeted, no fan posted about what they thought. Um, but, you know, it happens. I got some messages. Oh, you did? Yeah. I d- okay, I didn't get any. So I, I'll, I'll wait, No, I'll wait until. I want to I wait until we have a, a few more. Okay. All right. Um, but I look back and the, the event thing became a thing. In the eighties, right? It, oh yeah. Before uh, that, Execu- uh, executioner's ag- or extinction agenda was the like um, the well, third or fourth one. Eighty five was Infinity Gauntlet. So like in- Infinity 80, Gauntlet was like its own thing. As eighty five, well eighty six, or something like eighty six. Secret Wars was really one of the, oh, the okay. big Secret Wars ones. was one of the big ones. Yeah, but Secret, even Secret Wars, I think, was late eighties. Right? Was that like eighty eight? No, that was early eighties. So was Infinity Gauntlet after Secret Wars? Infinity Gauntlet was after. So then Infinity Gauntlet was like eighty nine. Then. Or 91, like somewhere around there, and then like Secret Wars is like 85. Consistent across the Marvel Universe that that started to be a a thing? Is that the same for the DC Universe? In in about the 80s 80s. is when events became big. Before then, you just had basic storylines, you know, like, and it really wasn't considered an event because it didn't affect the the universe in a lasting way it was right. like episodic right the right Simpsons right, right. are gonna be right. in the same exact place they were at the end of the episode right okay. but they started this thing to generate to, to generate more sales it's like well you read this every month you read this every month re- you I read this hey how about we create a story that affects all the books that we read Ooh. you know and 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 like that's when the first big events both in DC and in uh, uh Marvel started to take place but DC what they did with their big events was everything was crisis, infinite crisis, crisis on two earths, when uh, was final crisis. Okay, like all these, all their events were called crisis, right? As opposed, as opposed to like events, so, so to speak. Uh, uh, with Marvel, one other thing is that they had uh, annuals that would cross over mm. pretty frequently. Yeah, 
I remember there being an absolutely atrociously bad one that took place between New Mutants, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and maybe X-Factor. And it was like, these people came from the future to kidnap Reed Richards' son and... Yeah, I do remember that one. I can't remember what, the, but I know like, I, I've got the single. I know what you're it, talking about. But that I feel like Marvel's use of crossover events sort of uh, sprung from the annuals crossing over. Mm, so as okay. opposed to doing like gotcha. an annual for each book, they would just be like, "Well, someone might not what all nope, someone might not know what all the books were, even though they'd listed on the inside page." Right. So like, we're going to give this thing its own title. Right. And sure. that was the birth of the crossover event. Right. I mean. There might have been stuff in the 70s or 60s that I'm completely unaware of. Like, I've read some stuff from back then. Like, I fucking love the Celestials and mm. um, all that weird cosmic mm. Marvel stuff that happened. Well, there was. It just wasn't really called an event. You know, it's like, it's, and what's weird, see, DC, when something happens in DC, they make it affect everyone. The the problem is Marvel will have an event and it's isolated. Like there's no way you can tell me that Galactus invading the Earth, that the Fantastic Four are the only people that knew this was going on. Like it's just and it didn't because that part didn't cross over into other like books. It was just Fantastic Four stop Galactus. This is New York City. Keep in mind, yeah, a good base of Marvel's heroes reside in New York or New York City. They were just chilling. Well, the X Men were there. The Fantastic Four there. The Avengers. Uh, headquarters is there. That, that's what I'm saying. But the only people that came out to really deal with this because it was a Fantastic Four book, or what? Uh, because it was a Fantastic Four book. So uh, one of the things about Marvel, and I actually enjoy this about Marvel, is that they do keep things somewhat isolated. You've got sort of your books that have to deal with mutants, uh, X Force, X Factor, yeah, X Men, like their New own Mutants, deal. like all that yeah. stuff is. It's contained in the same world, and occasionally it bleeds over into other books. Yeah, you've got your cosmic stuff, yep. which is Rom, Guardians of the Galaxy. The the what is it? What do they call them? What's Galactus? The so is not is a celestial? Is it? No, uh, Galactus is not a celestial. What is it? No, what is a? You know, what I'm talking about though the like the Living Planet, the Tribunal, ego, like, ego the, the Living, living planet. planet. There you go. Yeah, like which? Those. Okay, I need to look this up. But I was reading <laughs> up on Squirrel Girl, right? And among her vanquished foes. Ego, the living planet, was included, and I want to know how the hell that happened. No idea. No clue. <laughs> but to uh, go back to the point, like the, um, the Avengers normally are doing Avengers things that they don't affect other people. Um, maybe the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. or uh, Black Panther or something like that. Then you have like the distinct New York B-grade superheroes, which is Daredevil, Luke Cage, um, all these people who are like fighting just like common thugs and gangsters. Yeah. And because they keep those isolated and the bleed over is minimalized, normally you won't have such a you know an imbalance between two groups. Because if you've got, um, for example, Jean Grey and Power Man team up, who are they going to fight? <laughs> <laughs> Power they're, Man's like, I've got iron hard skin. And I'm a really good guy. They're going to fight. They're going to fight the guy that has to get beat up so that Jean Grey can tap the mind. But until he gets weak, she can't get into his mind. So Power Man, you're up. <laughs> like I, I don't know I, I I don't know the disparity in power levels in uh, in Marvel oh characters gosh. is just huge huge and that's one of the reasons why you normally don't see you know superhero team ups between Iceman and I don't know Silver Surfer no you're right you're right the disparity in power levels is a lot bigger I think also I think what it comes down to too is the um, the the picture painted by DC as far as you know their heroes being more godlike right um, as like being 
earth protectors like all these heroes are 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 put on this pedestal of being gods you know we talk about the roman and the greek crossover um and they're they're the, these gods protect earth as opposed to marvel you know being a hero is like a, you're a taboo yeah you're oppressed it's, it's yeah. the difference between being worshiped in dc or being revel uh reveled you're, you're right you're being you're marvel. being hunted and yeah. it seems like a lot of the marvel characters are based on their humanity as the basis and then like they get power slapped on them yeah and then with dc it's the personification of an ideal right and yeah. even even a lot of the dc folks um were in some way either by dint of being alien or by dint of sort of being a god um amazonian whatever that's code for god yeah uh yeah like they they were remarkable to begin with um batman being the notable exception batman is you know the embodiment of vengeance superman is the embodiment of hope well they're all they're all that's right and they're all uh i guess you could say they're all corresponding i mean batman is like hades like hades and you know and and then like superman would be you know zeus and and, yeah, uh, there are. You know, yeah, and they're all you know they all have a a corresponding you know. I God. think Zeus is actually more of a fucker than Superman. Amazingly, what? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Superman's kind of <laughs> Superman's kind of a douche, and and Zeus is kind of a douche. Too. I think Zeus is actually slightly more, more of a douche. douche. You and, think so? Oh yeah. You th- wait. He really. I'm not. I know I'm, that takes I'm, some. No, some I'm doing. not. I'm not standing up for Superman at all. I am not a Superman fan. But what I'm saying is, you know, like, like. Are you talking about like just the general mythology behind Zeus and his stories? Like he's more of kind of a douche. Yeah, yeah. No, he he rapes a lot of people. Oh well, bit of a whoremonger. Uh, yeah, very Zeus much doesn't so. do that. He does. I mean, he does populate the world with children. Yes. like just on a on a whim. He has transformed himself into a bull, bull. to yeah. seduce someone. A he's bull, transformed a bird, himself into uh, a shower of gold. A lot. He he goes through <laughs> great lengths. To spend nights with women. I thought golden showers were off the list of things that we were allowed to talk about <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, uh, but but uh, my bu- my buddy said that he thought that Civil War was one of the best events, and I think we kind of came to the consensus yeah. that we thought that too. However, one of the most fucked up parts that we thought about this was that the mutants caused it, but then they ran like nope. they're gone. Actually, Speedball is not a mutant. I will stand corrected. Oh, really? Point. Joel brought it up, and like, so is he. Was he a meta meta human? It's science that caused him to get his powers. Uh, really, I remember reading well, well, a different origin story for him, uh, and I'm still looking into it. But like, Joel brought it up and like pointed out some stuff to me. So I remember him being a mutant. I remember reading. Wasn't he on the New Mutants team? No, no, it's not New Mutants. Or X? What it was, was um he? X-Force? No, it was not X-Force. It was not New Mutants. It was uh, New Warriors. New Warriors. Yep. There you go. New Warriors. And they're all dead except for him. But even but New Warriors was like Speedball, Shatterstar. Shatterstar uh, was not on it. Shatterstar wasn't a New Warrior? He was a New Mutant? Nope. Ironically enough, I happen to have Civil War here. Well, ta-da. But, okay, so S- Speedball was created by some sort of science experiment gone wrong. Then I still think of pens. Because he's like a <laughs> B grade hero at most, yeah, um, at best, decent at best. At, uh, like he's just really bad. They, you know, they cause the explosion in. I can't even remember what the town's name well, is right now. Wasn't Banshee's daughter also a new warrior? No, no, it's some of the. It's like C list. Who? I personally, just as someone who, yeah, yeah I don't have a huge history mm-hmm. with superhero comics. I love. Stories about B and C list heroes really? because uh, I feel like 
in a world where these A-list heroes, especially DC, are like doing godly things all the time, mm-hmm. I like I enjoyed the hell out of reading Secret Six because it's all just sort of sort of shitty people with like sort of shitty powers but they're mm. they're making it happen do you think that the character development at the level of of like a b-lister or c-lister is better or yeah more, or more in depth? because you can do more with a character that's mm. like less powerful or more flawed you have more leeway as a as a writer to mess around with them versus like batman and superman must always be batman and superman and you can do some stuff with them but your palette is more limited mm. You know, I, I I agree on a certain level, with the exception of Superman, because Superman um, is a character that's malleable to a point with the way you develop him and the way that you build his personality. You know, because like yeah. per, per, Superman from like fifties and sixties was helping old women across the street and right, getting right, cats right. out of trees. You know, what I mean, he's a he's a, a, he's a, a boy, boy scout. scout. As opposed to, you know, New 52 and a little bit of pre-New 52 Superman, he's a douchebag. Right, he you know, starts to Dr. Manhattan out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that's been disputed throughout the time is that his, when he, you know, other heroes disguise themselves to hide their hero personality. Yep. He's disguising himself as a human to hide his superhuman abilities. Right, which and, I love. And it's it's weird because, honestly, what is his view of humanity? That we're frail, that we're weak, that we're we're not aggressive, that we're very passive. Because Clark Kent, especially like if you ever watch um All Star Superman or read All Star Superman, right? The World the Paper montage. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And he, he's interviewing Lex Luthor, you know, Lex Luthor goes, You're, you're you know, you're a coward and he goes he like he like jumps at him and Superman's like, Oh you know, Clark or Clark Kent is like, Oh my god, like I'm so scared of you. And he's like, That's your problem, Clark. You're such a frail human, blah blah blah, this and that. And the whole time mm. he, he plays this like meek, you know, he's very meek, he's very uh, mild mannered. Mild mannered. But the funny thing is that even in like new media, Clark Kent is confident. He's more confident, he's huh. more you know, he's a confident reporter and That's interesting. That. And and they've and I think they've They've developed that piece to show that this is his outlook on humanity now, okay. as opposed to when he first came to the Earth. Sure. He just thought humans were kind of frail and meek and, and very passive but and strong. But he's wrong, and he's learned. Okay. I like that. So and even I, whether or not they can like really obviously develop Superman through Superman, they can develop, develop him Clark through Kent, Clark though. Kent. Right. They can develop Clark nice. Kent. Um, so I don't know if it was All-Star, but there's like the world of paper uh, thing that... like. Superman says is one of the best explanations of Superman because Superman is fighting Doomsday. Yep. And he's talking to Doomsday and he's explaining to Doomsday while he's punching him in the face <laughs> over and over again that he's so happy that Doomsday exists because for his entire life he's been living in a world of paper and this uh, is the first time that he can actually feel resistance. Nice. Yes. So he can unleash himself on someone. Right, well right. he says that too when he fights Darkseid. He says you know what we have here is a a day that, that rarely, rarely comes along a day that I can actually let loose and not have to pull punches and and he, I mean, he hits Dark Side hard, like really, <laughs> really hard. Like, like I never have realized how much of a just monster Dark Side is until I, I saw. He's a god. He's like, I know he's a god, but it's like Superman was like, I'm not holding back against you. I'm like, okay, that's that. That means something. Batman's yeah. like, I'm going to shoot you with a gun. It's like, what? What? Yeah. It's. I mean. The fun, and like and I think it's like even we're even at a point in DC where the not only heroes are gods but the villains are gods. Yeah. You know, you you create you create a villain for Superman like Darkseid so that Superman has the chances where we can see the full extent of what he can do. Because 
I mean, I've read Superman comics where he stops a bank robbery. What I want to know is that how stupid do you have to be to rob a bank in Metropolis? Like, you have to be some special kind of stupid. I feel like maybe <laughs> if you or wait... desperate. Or desperate. <laughs> uh, it's probably desperate. I feel like you could you could get away with it as long as, like, huge cosmic events were destroying other parts of Metropolis. Like, the Northeast Quad is being attacked by Darkseid and a giant robot. Obviously, Superman is not going to stop I this can probably rob a bank. I can, yeah, just go to the southwest corner. It'll be fine. Well, and I always wonder that, like, even in these universes, like, in these big cities, like, that have heroes, like New York, like, why is there even still crime? You know what I mean? You've got Daredevil. You've got Spider-Man. You've got Ghost Rider. You've got every, I mean, you've got all these heroes. You've got Punisher. You've got all these people in New York that really do continue to stop the low-level crime. And, like, there's still people that take these chances, you know, and I wonder why they keep taking these chances. I feel like in, in Marvel Universe New York, like, white-collar crime would go through the roof. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, until you get and, and Daredevil smuggling. and She-Hulk actually being lawyers, then... <laughs> and it's the same thing with uh, with Gotham. I want to see a series where Daredevil, it's not actually Daredevil, it's Matt Murdock in court cases. <laughs> That's like, one of like the Phoenix things Wright, that I, like, I... Like a Phoenix oh, Wright yeah. thing? I loved seeing him actually in court in She-Hulk. Like, both of them just being lawyers, and apparently... Uh, Does the she writer... know he's Daredevil? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, they go, they, like, chill out in, in San Francisco. They give each other legal advice and eventually end up in court against each other. Oh, oh wow. The drama. The drama. Well, I, uh, uh, writer uh, She-Hulk is also a lawyer, and you can tell. And it's oh, like, you can okay. write approachable and good courtroom scenes. Yay. Hmm. <laughs> So uh, today we're going to be covering All Hail Megatron, which was uh, given to us by Nick Lindsay, one of the fans of the show. Can we say it in unison real quick? Nick Lindsay? No. (laughs) All Hail Megatron? All Hail Megatron. (laughs) All All Hail Hail Megatron! Megatron! (laughs) There you go. That's correct. (laughs) Uh, It's an IDW book, and I'm assuming that it is actually part of the middle of their Transformers run, because there is a lot of information that I was missing when I got into this. Like, I have not oh, watched it's Transformers. Not just me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> There's a lot of Transformers that uh, I read or liked as a kid, and I haven't read much since. And this is pretty much right in my wheelhouse of giant robots punching each other in the dick. Um, yeah, that block. was a solid. Counter dot punch. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys want to talk about the writing or the art first? Let's. And writing? Let's let's talk about the writing. Okay, and why don't you uh, take why it away? You take it away. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to make a metaphor. There's there's a piece of film that I watched several times as a child and like was embedded in my memory because the imagery was so weird. But I went back and watched it as an adult. Uh, it's called uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy's Musical Adventure. It's on YouTube. If you ever are high and need something to watch, I recommend it. Um, and as an adult, looking back, like, hey, yes, it's just as weird as I remember. Like, really weird. Um, but B, there's all kinds of stuff that kind of comes up. Like, there are songs that are apparently about character development that are, like, never followed up on. And it was obviously made by a mishmash of people, all of whom had a great idea for, like, animating a particular section. So as a whole, it's completely incoherent. This book, unfortunately, is similar. Um, the main thing it suffers from is pacing. Uh, I believe, you know, you've got your sort of standard reverse check mark, like rising action type of shape of a story. Um, Andy earlier was demonstrating the shape that this story takes, and it was a sine wave. Uh, so, the, uh, like, the main... Con- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to summarize it here, so spoilers. Um, the main 
the main conceit of the book is actually really cool. I I love the the idea behind the book, which is basically that Megatron has won. The Decepticons have taken over Earth. Now what? Yeah, it's, uh, the infight. Like, so in my opinion, as far as the writing goes, um, one of the best aspects that this book deals with is that once the Decepticons win, they don't know what to do. Which they is don't, great. They don't have an end plan. Like, it's we're gonna win, you know, Earth, and then we'll worry about it. Oh, oh shit! We just we just kicked all the Autobots out. We won, guys. Now what? What do we do now? Well, what I let's terrorize the humans. Okay, that's cool for like five minutes. <laughs> Dead boy. There was one scene where it's near the end. Um, why this is near the end and not near the beginning, I'm not sure. Where it's like there's a couple of Decepticons and they're t- they're talking to humans. They're like, let's play a game, and then apparently like crush them or something, and then or like, oh, this they came apart so easily. That's unfortunate, and that's kind of kind of. Beautiful and brilliant. I wish, one, pacing-wise, it needed to be earlier. But two, I, I love that scene because it mirrors a kid playing with a Transformers toy. Yeah, Except that they're trying to do that with humans, and it goes squicky, and I'm a squicky person. So I, I realize that there's a reason why they didn't show you the gore, but uh, I, I like so, that. So outside of, like, outside of the pacing, there are some really brilliant moments in this book. Yeah. There's a discussion between um, Megatron and Starscream, mm-hmm. where Megatron is telling Starscream, he's like, you will eventually take leadership of the Decepticons from my cold, dead hands. This is not that moment. Yeah. Like, you will earn it. It won't be given to yeah. you. The whole concept behind that, and Starscream's like, you're right, I will. Like, the fact that Megatron knows that Starscream is going to kill him at some point in the future, Starscream knows that he's going to kill Megatron at some point in the future, and both of them are totally cool with it, is, like, fascinating in this incredibly weird warrior society way to yeah. me. Well, Starscream explains to the Autobots towards the end of the book that, you know, um, the Autobots are like, well, leave Megatron behind and you will be the leader. And Starscream was like, that's not how this shit works. He was like, the mantle of the leader of the Decepticons is taken. It is not simply given or passed on. It is it is a struggle. It's a power struggle. And it's taken. I my One of the biggest things uh, that I t- took away from the banter between Megatron and uh, Starscream was there's a point where Megatron says, Starscream, you you are the commander of the Seekers. Like, you are, that that is your role. But yet, every time I see you, I find you by yourself. Or I find you not with, not leading the the Decepticons, that you the group of Decepticons that you were just supposed to lead. And basically, you know, Starscream talks it up as boredom. He's like, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm bored with it. They're, they're more than capable they don't need me. They're, they can take care of their own shit. No problem. What do I need to be there for? And and he, and every time they show Starscream when he's away, he's not he's not perched like on a building watching. He's not observing the battlefield. He's kind of tucked away in a corner as though he's trying to have a moment to himself. And somehow Megatron always comes along to piss in his Cheerios. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. like why are you not doing this? And he's like, man, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to chill right now. You know, I'm just trying to kind of take a moment. And uh, and it's almost like you know Megatron is he he cannot understand Starscream's stance on these things because Megatron's like I'm the leader I want to be on the front lines watching everything go down and Starscream's like fuck I need to be there for it. I just I just want like kind of sit on a bar stool and kind of take everything in <laughs> after we've conquered this after planet after we've conquered this planet hang out so one thing that um, 
sort of caught me off guard about this book is how dark it is. Oh, it's very dark. I, I like, like, I like that, that part. It's I like that part. Awesome. It is grim. It was not what I like by no means. Like I did not expect. Were you expecting the the happy the happy transformer? Like I was expecting sort of like I guess from my childhood. Like I think of the you know the generic Autobots shoot Decepticons, Decepticons shoot Autobots. People get grazed. People get hurt. Someone might get their hand shot off people or something like that. Die. But in this book, it's like you've got. Autobots committing suicide because of guilt. Yeah. You've got uh, an Autobot killing a human because you know he's. It's the the merciful thing to do. <laughs> pulling the plug. Pulling the plug. You've got you've got humans hiding out in a subway and a Decepticon train coming there and just, and just wreaking havoc, just, just killing. Oh, murder. That, I feel like there's a lot of just like just slightly off screen gore, like we were <laughs> oh, talking yeah. about oh, before. Yeah. It's it's constant. Like the the tone of this book is like. Uh, in the best way I can put it, like on a one to ten scale, where ten is like grim dark and it's you know like over the top and terrible. Seven is like you know pretty pretty dark. It's like an eight. It's about it's, an eight. Yep. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. Like what they imply, like, and it's such a good job of implying like you know damage because when that transformer train pulls up into the subway station, it doesn't you, show anything. You know, but you yeah. know, but we but know. You know. <laughs> like, what oh. So so do you think that implied? Terror, implied gore is actually scarier than absolutely. What, yeah. seeing it. When you leave it up to the, the reader's imagination, the, the reader is going to plug in whatever is the most horrifying outcome to themselves. Yep. Mm. So it's, it's actually a really good way to deal with stuff. I, because then you tailor your story to your audience, which is really smart. Yeah, I I enjoy. I, I think uh, like uh, the ebb and flow of the book. Uh, I could have I could have dealt with this just being solely a Decepticon story. Where it was just about them, I, like, that, that would have made sense too. And I feel like it it lacked a singular ar- like plot arc to hold it together. And it's totally possible to do multiple plot lines. Um, and there were sort of three, right? There's the, the Decepticon arc. There's the Autobots attempting to you know get off of Cyber- Cybertron. Cybertron and like retake Earth arc. And then there's the humans sort of ineffectively flailing arc. Right. <laughs> like, I wonder if it was sort of. Um Maybe like the publisher interfering because I feel like that the human arc was just thrown in there to be thrown in. You there. know, it was. okay. So this book feels like bad Hasbro management, which is a thing that exists. Like, if it would have been just the story of the Decepticons, like you don't need to know what happens to the Autobots. You really don't for the purposes of the main you, arc. It d- has no. nothing to the do. The main arc nothing. has to do with Megatron. Starscream and maybe the Insecticons or yeah, well, the, there's a small piece. There's a small piece that actually comes from the Autobot perspective that is told the the traitor, the guy who yeah. who inadvertently betrays them. He kind of wasn't really attempting to do that. He was a he, but but like he was trying to end the war. He didn't care about he, Earth. Yeah, anymore. he just wanted to end the war. Exactly. He's like, you know what, Decepticons, you can have Earth. We and, just want Megatron. That's what we want. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that and then you know Ironhide's resentment. Um. To Sunstreak, who yeah, I think correct. was the guy who yep. originally, and Mirage, who kind of knew. What's up with Mirage? Mirage, I think, knew about it and didn't say anything. Okay. So Sunstreak was the one who, who made the pact with Starscream. I believe, looking at the book, because there's, I, I'm not going to lie, there was a part where I'm confused at kind of why. I had to reread a lot of sections. But I also thought that I think Ironhide originally thought Mirage was solely responsible for it, but then Sunstreak comes you know comes clean and says no i was the one right. who made the pact mirage just knew about it and i think that was the thing and and you know the beating that iron gives mirage is 
It's rough. Oh, it's so it's so rough. So it's, I, I think one minor problem that I have with the book is that you have the whole arc of who is the traitor that right. happens with the Autobots. Yeah. And then all of that is sort of like negated because you have the human transformer hybrid who gets killed in the end, who was the, the buddy of the Transformers. Like, they had all the information they needed anyway, so what was the point of there being a traitor? It was sort of a MacGuffin story that didn't need to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's just my two cents. Yeah. The, it's, I, I, I think this is a consistent problem, actually, with Transformers stories, is that there's, there's somebody, the writers always feel a need to, to introduce a human presence. I actually think for relatability, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it, it's fantasy, right? It's it's. I mean, even in the book, the humans are like, "This is not real. This is not happening." We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. And like, they're even in disbelief that this is even a thing. Um, as opposed to, I think if it had been like humanoid aliens, it would have been more. They would have been more accepting of it. But like, it's these giant sixty foot tall robots, and they're like, "This is this is obviously that turn they, into tanks." What turn, the hell? Yeah, like this is this is is this a movie? Is somebody shooting a movie? Like you know what I mean? Uh, and and I I think that we don't. I think we need. I think this book actually could have been done with without trying to introduce a human a human presence. I we could have just done a transformer book. Like I would have loved to have seen this as just the Decepticon yeah. story. Yes, I, yeah. I, I like. I would have enjoyed that if you could isolate those pages and put them into their own book. I, it's a good. You, it's a better story. I think that would have a much more coherent arc too, because it would be like one story. It's a coherent arc, and honestly, it's really good. Like the the ideology, it, the ideology of you know how Decepticons sort of process and think things mm-hmm. is much more interesting than the the human part or the human part is a is a hot mess the human part is like filler it it is is. and the thing is is. it's filler that's trying to be high stakes and it isn't um i mean there's i mean so there's three deus ex machinas in this book which is doubly (laughs) ironic term for a transformer book there's like deus ex optimus prime deus ex giant spaceship robot uh omega omega And then, like, it's not Omega Prime. He's like Omega something. Yeah, but he's Omega One. He's 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 Omega Transformer. Omega Face. Yeah. Um, and there's Deus Ex, like human with a robot shooty gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that was like the only real reason for the humans to be there at all. Unfortunately, there's like all kinds of sort of like red herring or MacGuffin like <laughs> character building moments. There's like, there's some sort of thing with the father and the son and maybe you're dead and maybe com- you're not and we're not going to resolve this. The conversation that happens between the black yes! guy and God the woman. Damn. That is like, I'm like, what is this doing? What is it? it what, why what is are it? we even, why am I, I reading this? I think that that is like part of a bigger arc than what we've gotten to see. Is it though? Because all she does is try to slap him into manliness. That's yeah. I, I really think that is, there is stuff that happens before this book and then after this book <sighs> that that is a part of. It's an arc, an over arc to the arc. Is that we there read. a book that's about the humans, so we care about them? Maybe I would. T- I, I think the there, like there the has like I mean IW has been doing Transformers for a while, so I mean there has I to guess be there has to be. I'm not huh. Nick. I'm help. not. Help us, Nick. I'm not going to lie. To I'm not going to lie. In this book, I didn't give a shit about the humans. No. Nope. Like, at, at any point, at no point was I was like, oh, that's bad. I was just like, eh, whatever. Where's the, the only story, piece of the story I really was interested in was the Decepticons, the Decepticons yep. story. Yeah. Like, the Decepticons are brilliantly written because their ideology is so alien. And it poses a question of, hey, you know what? 
if you have this goal and you reach it, what do you do afterwards? Which is not something that is commonly handled. As a dog, handled. what yeah. do you do when you catch when the you car? Catch, yeah. or, or your tail. Exactly. <laughs> now what? I, I think the other thing is, is that uh, there's been an attempt to humanize the Autobots more so that we can kind of relate with them as heroes and protectors and fighters for truth, justice, American way, and goodness. <laughs> and the Decepticon... I give a shit. You know, we, I, 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 I really don't. But what I'm saying is, is like, it seems like the Decepticons, that human component does not exist within them. Yeah. They, they are alien robot technology that has a totally different function and desire and programming. Yeah. Than, than anything else in that universe. And the other thing is is that what's very classic about the Decepticons relationship is that every single one of them is watching their back. Like, oh, yeah. they're not... They, there is it's no war- trust. It's, it's a warrior society. Yeah, there yeah. is no trust. It's like, if I ever show any bit of weakness, somebody will kill me. That's Based the, on assassination, uh, etc. Yeah. Like, exactly. As opposed to Autobots, they're like, you know, they're a team, and yeah, there's some infighting occasionally, but, you know, everything is for the good of, like... The team of the Autobots yeah. and uh, I. I Maybe, wanna, is, can we I just? I want to read another Decepticon story. Like, can we I, just? Can we just say that this is poorly written? It's not. No, it's not poorly written. Is the thing. Bits it's of it poorly are. paced. Well, there are parts of it. The are human poorly, parts are poorly written. I think the human and Autobot story within this story is poorly written, especially for a book that's called All Hail Megatron. Like, I did expect more Decepticon <laughs> action. So that's the thing. Like if, when you read this arc. The Decepticon parts are the best parts. Yeah. And I'm sad that there wasn't more to that. Yeah, I wanted more focus on that so they could actually delve into a little bit. Because it's like a, a one-third split between the three parts. Would you guys agree with that? Uh, I would say humans are probably more like 25%. Like, uh, yeah. It's, but close enough to, you know, you could say it's thirds. The Decepticon part is brilliant. It's, it's, it's really, brilliantly done. Brilliant. It's, it's really it, interesting it's because it's so different. The Autobots part has interesting moments, but I don't care about them. Like, there's a part, yeah. like, for example, there's a part in there where I don't know if they're, like, doing a drill or something, but I think the car is drift, like, goes to hit a turn, and then he, like, he slams out of wall. control, and then... They explain that, like, oh, this is our tires are made for Earth, not for raw metal and Cybertron. I don't give a fuck. Like, I, like, why is that? Like, you know, why is of, that relevant? Uh, yeah, why is that relevant? Like, I'm getting a lot of there's a lot of that never came up as a plot point. It was never important. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's like established I, and never used. This so was like another... smoking guns everywhere and unfired guns everywhere <laughs> as well. I really think it, it that this book being the middle of a series. And Nick, you're gonna have to fill me in on this because I, you know, I don't know what came before this or what comes. Some after of the it. stuff, like the Matrix, I feel like there was a, must have been a whole plot arc about that I, I at think, some point. I think this is like book five well, of a ten book series. Well, no, the okay. Lead, the the okay. So I did understand that the Matrix of leadership is is always held by a prime, always held by a prime. Mm-hmm. Megatron cannot utilize the Matrix of leadership because he is not a prime, but. Apparently, by withholding this matrix of leadership from Optimus, he has made Optimus weaker and therefore actually beatable. So yeah. it's like stealing Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and just being yep. like, I know I can't use this, but... Nye, nye, nye. Or the speed force from Flash. Okay, yeah. 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 You're, you're taking the hero's power away to, to put them on the same level as you. I wish that that arc had been more coherent because... Within this book, unless I'm insane, the the Matrix didn't of uh, leadership didn't show up until like a quarter to a third You're of the insane. way through. You're insane. 
Was it at the beginning? I no, mean, it could no, also just be insane, it's, but it's that might be a separate stuff. issue. Yeah. I mean, Megatron becomes Galvatron yeah. in the movie. The happy Autobot planet gets destroyed by uh, Galactus. Galactus. Not Galactus. Omnicron. Omnicron. I really like the idea of Galactus eating the happy Autobot planet now that I think about that. <laughs> no, well, Galactus wouldn't be able to eat Cybertron because there's no life force technically. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he couldn't get nutrients from it. Yeah, you know what? It's PG movie. They said shit, and then like that blew my mind as a kid. Right. <laughs> so I love the '87 Transformers movie. I think it's one of the best pieces of film. Orson ever made. Wells Orson as the voice. <laughs> is Sam hey, in, in that movie? Is Sam Witwicky in like a mech? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. He, he builds a suit. So he, the yeah. Autobots had like humans that were fighting in like so the Autobots, if I remember right, got the. Um, the audio cassette tape robots later on. At first, they had humans in robot suits to fight against the, the Decepticons. Decepticon right. tapes. Uh, what was it? Jazz and... Ah, fuck, I can't remember them. God, I love Transformers and I can't remember the shit. It pisses me off. Are you talking about like sound, the sound, sound waves tapes? Yeah. Um, I forget what the tape... Yeah, but I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But uh, so like... Of note, I just want to like well, let's uh, finish up the discussion on writing real quick. I like the fact that the Decepticons have an ideology that sort of is prevalent throughout all of them. However, they only they all have their own voices. Like yeah. uh, Starscream, he's different than Megatron, who's different than the Constructicons, who's different, who's different than, than the Insecticons, uh, and I think Thundercracker. if we hadn't. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. I mean, like, Thundercracker. It's like, serious, serious moment. Thundercracker. I'm like, feed me beans and call me Thundercracker. Uh, Oh, oh God, I was going to make a point. I lost it. Which is kind of (laughs) (laughs) what my experience of reading this book was. And, like, so, obviously, the top tier of the three arcs that go go through this book is the Decepticons, which is appropriate because the book is named All Hell Megatron. Um, After that, Autobots take second place because they... They do have some difference in, like, I can tell the difference between the Autobots, although I think flashing back and forth between them and the Decepticons made me get mixed up for my giant robots. Um, But then the humans, like, literally are inconsequential. The, the, like, random we're going to fire nukes scene in the middle of the book that has pointless quips about tea? I don't understand. We we know who none of those world leaders are. They yeah. never come up again. It, it's like I said. I think this is the middle book of you know a big series, and that is part of the problem. That I can if you I can just give, read this. forgive it a little bit for that, but oh my god, this is a lot of territory to. Oh my god! So we have been talking really long about the writing. Okay. Let's talk about the art. Um, at first in the book, it threw me off because I didn't realize there were as many artists as oh, there yeah, are yeah, yeah. in this, and like. Sort of mentally, after the first like ten pages, I'd gotten used to a certain art, mm-hmm. art style, and then all of a sudden, it flipped. It was like wait, flips, and I, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I went, I did that. I went back a couple. I, I was reading, I was looking at pages, and I was like, wait, am I crazy? And I go back, and I'm like, no, oh, flip, no, flip, not flip, crazy. flip, flip, flip. Wait, the art's different. Yeah, and um, one of my problems with it is that there is a certain point of I'm not sure exactly who's doing the art on this piece, but the Decepticons are indistinguishable. Like, yeah, I, I it was there was two Decepticons that were both jets that were both seekers talking. I was like, who is who's who? Like who who is this guy? Like I didn't there. There's a part where the only distinguishable Decepticons are Megatron 
Starscream and the the Insecticon that's like highly intelligent. Right. Yeah. Other than that, like they're all indistinguishable. They're pretty much generic, a generic run of the mill. I can almost whatever plane, train, or whatever. Tell However, tell the Autobots apart because they are like colorful. They're different color. <laughs> right now, the Autobots you can tell apart because there's a primary color associated with each one, each or a combination one of, them of primary colors. Where it's like, oh. It's red and a little bit of blue. That's Optimus that's, Prime. Yeah. You know, oh, like, this one's all red. That's Ironhide. Oh, yep. this one's all yellow. That's Bumblebee. This is right. There's, but but with the Decepticons, I swear there's a point where I'm like, uh, okay, why do I care about this? And the only reason I'm like, why do I care is because I can't tell who's who. I mean, um, was it Ironhide who had, had the scar, the cyber cigar, for lack of a better term? Oh my god. No, no, it's not. But I love the fucking cyber. The cigar. cyber cigar is I, awesome. I thought that was brilliant because that is an easy way you could always identify him in any scene because he because looks he, like Megatron a little bit a little bit, bit. If, but yeah. he's got that he cigar the, and like when you look at a panel and you see that like I think that whoever was the original like character designer for mm-hmm. that was like okay all these robots look like robots who look like other robots how can we make this guy different we're gonna put a cigar in his mouth yeah but they, they're they're giant robots they don't smoke we're gonna put a cybernetic cigar in his is well, his name Ratchet is that Ratchet yeah, maybe I don't know I lost track of names. Well, you know when they're sitting on the on the bank of the river and they're like, "Hey, what's up with that cigar? What's a cigar?" Yeah, I love that. <laughs> like, I love that. That <laughs> is just great. But um, to go back to the writing, like uh, I thought, you were talking about the art or the art shit. <laughs> I want to keep writing, talking about the writing. Art. Like there's this weird, um, like the pacing is just off. Like I feel like there are a couple of scenes that were super quick that I would have liked to have seen drawn out and then there are several scenes that are drawn out that I just don't get and I'm like yep. this could be handled in three or four panels I feel like they could have done a lot more with panel size to uh, help with the size of the um, robots because there were a couple of places where they did and it was great um, they like effectively use a, use a splash page to give you the idea that these are really giant critters or that they there's the one scene where there's two humans in a building and you just see the face of a uh, Decepticon walking past and that's that's cool for sense of scale um, but there was a lot of it almost suffered from the same thing that some of the Michael Bay filmage suffered from in terms of like indistinguishable mash of robot parts especially during fight scenes so I'm like I'm flipping through the, the art right now and it's just so all over the place. There are some panels, yeah. like in some. There's pages, some artists that I really like. Like there's some that I love. Like there's they look perfect. They're just like the '80s Transformers thing. Yeah, there's like um, the beginning of Chapter Seven has a bunch of pseudo Insecticons that are these like half assembled like robots that are just tearing through the Autobots planet, the home world. Yeah, and it's just like a pile of them. But you can look at that pile and you can see almost the motion that's going on as they're trying to, you know, swarm over a wall or something like that. That is great. And then you've got, you know, five pages of uh the bump or the um the beetle Decepticon where it's just his face and literally five panels, not five pages. Did I say five pages? Yep. Whoops. There's five panels on a single page where there are two duplicates and then one of the there's a large panel that is just a blown up version of the other two panels. Like, I don't understand why that was necessary. Uh, I don't either. It's it's so hit and miss for me. Uh, this, my main moments with the art were just like, there's the one 
the one artist that draws more of an anime style and has some hard time with muscles and arms. Like, arms, how do they work? Really, arms, how do they work? Like, that takes me Boops, out of the story. No problem. Arms, I have no idea. Like, oh, that muscles is so and weird. Arms, right? That arm yep, is I'm weird. Looking, uh, I think that's chapter eight. Chapter eight, yeah. Uh, and there's one colorist, I think, in chapter three or something that can't color black people. Like, they're green. I swear. It's weird. Wait. I'm not green? Crap. No, no, Wait, no. You have green? warm tones in your skin. Fuck. Uh, and unlike, you don't blend in. My whole life I thought I was green. Like, he blends with his suit. He's like the same color as his fatigue. Ah, he's Gumby. <laughs> yeah. Let me take a look at this real quick. Uh, chapter three, they're in the train station, and holy shit. <laughs> Huh. Like, I'm not sure if that was a printing error because, like, someone like got their like files saved wrong, or if they just can't color black people. I I really the the art is just it's so all over the place, and I don't want it to be. Yeah, I, whoever the, like the first chapter, I the, I like I like the I like the coloring, I like the. Art style. If they could have just like kept that team, I think Me- I want to say this. Megatron's design by far is is excellent. It's very classic. Yeah, it's not. Um, they didn't they didn't try to modernize it or anything. It's very good. very squared off. Very very um um what do you call it? Uh, not related to the original. Very close, like close yeah. to the original. Um, even with the giant cannon on his arm and yeah. everything, like all that, all that is great. He kind of reminds me of that 30s Golem movie. Like, the Golem with, like, the hair. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, I do... I do or what is that a picture of Frenzy? Oh, that is a picture of Frenzy. But, however, I want to make a comment about one of the, my favorite covers, actually. Because uh, there's a gallery in the back of the book that has all the different covers for the issues. Yeah. Uh, it's a Decepticon cover where there's a shattered mirror. And each giant chunk of the mirror shows one of the different factions. So you've got, um, mm. in his own chunk, you've got Megatron, you've got Starscream, you've got Soundwave, you've got the Seekers, you've got the Constructicons, you've got um, the Insecticons. And it really does a good job of explaining just how fractured their society is nice. once they don't have a goal. And it, it might be the smartest piece of art in the entire book. Um, not that it's the smartest piece, but the piece that I enjoyed the most for covers are like the sort of um, Russian propaganda poster yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, there's one on the back of the book of like Megatron gazing into the distance while some seekers fly. That's so awesome! It remind as soon as I as when I was looking at this and looking at the back and the front, it it just seems like the '80s Cold War kind of battle oh, yeah. against communism mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's like the front of the co- the front of the cover has like this this almost like this World War Two Nazi esque with the with the soldiers staying there and then like the the shadow it's uh it's a great design it's a great it is it is a great it's a great design to and i think maybe because this book was written when uh to mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. not not so not so i think it's like five years old okay ten but it's almost like a hail to the kind of the original inception of the transformers yeah. the design of the covers so shall we move on to buy borrow burn uh yeah i think so Eddie? I, I'm going to have to say burn if if it was just I think I would actually borrow or buy it 
if you took out, I guess I could say, a two-thirds of it, and it was just <laughs> the Decepticon story. So other than that, I'm going to use it for to uh, just for my fire. Um, I am going to go burn, with the exception of, I actually think it would be a really good idea to borrow it and read it as a writer so you know how not to do multiple plot lines. <laughs> like, tool. <laughs> it's a teaching tool. Uh, like like you said, Eddie, the Decepticon storyline, great. The other two storylines, <laughs> not so much. You guys are going to kill me for this, but I'm actually going to put it on the buy. Oh, my God. That's fair. I think the Decepticon storyline itself is strong enough that it makes... It's worth the $25? It makes, it, yeah, it's worth the $25. It's, it's awesome. Um, the Autobots and the human part is like not my cup of tea. And like when we were going into this episode, I was pretty strong on the borrow scale. But the more I think about how good that Decepticon arc is, uh. the more I'm like... I'm going to tell people to read this and probably try and get them to buy it. Regardless of whether or not I said to burn this, still better than anything Michael Bay has made. Fuck, I don't remember how to do this. So, <laughs> yes, our podcast, good. You can get it in places. Bah! Hulk <laughs> smash podcast! <laughs> Hulk says, go to iTunes. Hulk. Hulk says, do you have a Zoom? <laughs> Hulk has a Zoom, but no one else has a Zoom. Hulk has Zoom, but no one else can share files with Hulk. <laughs> Hulk mad. <laughs> Hulk say, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so, and join yeah. Facebook group. Fo- follow trade. us on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> trade trade, trade Secrets Podcast. podcast. Discussion. Is it discussion? I think it's discussion. Because yep. so there's a Trade Secrets cat podcast which is like the internal group and then where we set up meetings yeah okay so uh this has been episode 79 um, 79. 79 uh episode 80 is going to be all about it's a long read it's uh transmetropolitan which is fucking brilliant um i'm so excited i've never actually read it it's like one of the gaping holes in my comics literacy oh my <laughs> oh, oh my uh, oh my <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on <laughs> Facebook or you can join up on the Facebook discussion group. Uh, Joel normally sort of is the, the catalyst for discussions there. I don't know how that quite works out. but it, If it, people it, would talk to Hulk, Hulk would respond. <laughs> oh, I love the off-air jokes. Um, we're, on tra- or we're on Twitter uh, at Trade Secrets Pod. Yes. yes. Uh, I am Mathtastrophe. Eddie? Oh, I thought you were going to add next. Grape Doctor? No, I'm Ambi Tweets. Your MB tweets? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm, an- I'm Grape Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Be confused by our respective Twitter feeds. Now. And photos. And photos. Me, and, f- you. and photos. Uh, thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. Oh, are we, wait, are you going to talk about, it's was it, Transmet, and then Deadly Class, and then... Court of Owls. Court of oh, Owls. Yeah. <laughs> we, just say, we just talked Jesus, about Transmet. Oh, Jesus Christ, Andy. Can't you get this right? This is the second. You're the <laughs> assistant host. You're supposed to be able to take over. Hey, look, you guys just show up at my place and we just every do stuff. other weekend. And, I'm and like, I think yeah. after, what is it? After, I'm too lazy to care. After Court of Owls <laughs> is Hellboy, I want to say. Hellboy's yeah. after that, yeah. yeah. But uh, So episode 80 is going to be a long read of Transmetropolitan, mm-hmm. which is a brilliant book um, about politics and media and chain smoking. So I'm a proponent. Also, there's a cornucopia of drug use and Ooh. a gun that has liquefy for bowels setting. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, drug use. <laughs> they didn't have that on phasers in Star <laughs> Trek. Uh, stun. After, after Kill, that is stun. Deadly Class, which is Rick Remender's book about high school assassins in the 80s. So good. It's so great. Uh, then Court of Owls, which is a phenomenal Batman story. By... Uh, Snyder and Capullo. Is it D. Snyder? Yeah, no, not D. Snyder. Uh, Scott Snyder. <laughs> Scott Snyder. No, Snyder. Yeah, Snyder and Capullo. Yeah, so, 
Camix. Thank you, Ann. Camix. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. I think we're done. Okay, so so I'm driving here in my shitty brown Honda Civic, <laughs> which I take mediocre care of at best and actually physically has moss growing on it. Um, I realized that this would be my Transformer mobile, like were I a Transformer. My name would be Shitstorm, <laughs> and I would be a shitty Civic that turns into like a small Transformer. Shitstorm. <laughs> and would not have any decent fighting power aside from just like generally confusing Decepticons. So would you, so would you basically just be you like put smog out? Is what you're saying? Would you be like your run of the mill Autobot, the one that we like? Is that a is that a who's that back there? Like back that yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna's like, a Gobot is what we're saying. I, are you, yes, are you a I would be a Gobot. <laughs>